Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Spectacle, the American Spectator's awesome podcast with Scott McKay, contributing editor and also editor of Reviver.com and also the Hayride.com. He is a author of the Conservative Manifesto. Revivalist Manifesto. Revivalist Manifesto. I can't read that far. And I Um, forgot. Okay, by now, I think, Melissa, you should have this memorized. But we're, it's okay, we're going, to, we're going to give you a little bit of a refresher course because there right. is revivalism afoot, and we're going to talk about that in a second. Is there? Okay, yes. well, I mean, I'm glad you're optimistic. I'm Melissa McKenzie, publisher of The American Spectator, who has so many things on her noggin in her brain going off that I can't even remember one of the most important authors in the modern conservative age, his title of his epic book, Revivalist Manifesto. So okay. go we'll out there and buy it. When the Obama book gets finished. So yeah, we'll you'll give me a second shot. Um, so we were going to start with your dog. You wrote an article a couple weeks ago right. about your dog who is, has reached his elderly years, let's just say. And yeah. And the the joy he's brought to your life, he's doing better now. And um, in this day and age, like I was just thinking about during COVID, all the people who adopted animals and then dumped them after the, you know, after the, the uh, pandemic, and everybody went out back to work, and so these poor animals are, you know, going to kill shelters and stuff. You, on the other hand, are a loyal dog owner who has grown with this guy. So it was a, a sweet piece that you wrote and a, and something that is hopeful. That's one of the things we're trying to focus more on on our podcast is hopeful good stories. And so where does things where do things stand right now with your canine? Okay, so uh, the dog's name is Mr. Bingle, which if you're from Louisiana or from New Orleans, that has like meaning. And if you're not, then it has like none. But basically, there's like this old, like when when we were kids, um, there was sort of like this Christmassy cartoon that um, uh, one of the department stores in New Orleans like sponsored. And Mr. Bingle was like, uh, uh, well, he was a, he was a, I don't know what Mr. Bingle was. He's like a an elf or some one of Santa's elves or something that came down to like give the kids toys or whatever for Christmas. And so this dog I got as a Christmas puppy um, after his predecessor died, like right before Christmas. And I was like, I'm going to go get a new dog for Christmas anyway. So it was a Christmas present. It's a Louisiana thing. So we decided to call him Mr. Bingo. And he's, you know, he's been just, he's a terrific, awesome dog. Uh, turned eight in November and, you know, he's got like all kinds of things that are starting to go wrong. Like, you know, I brought him into the vet a couple of weeks ago and he, you know, he had a skin infection. He had a urinary tract infection. He's got a couple of like tumor things that are growing. And then, you know, he was, he was like when he was swallowing, we'd swallow uh, or when he would eat, he was whining. I thought he had a bad tooth. Right. So bring him in the vet. That's like, no, nah, his teeth are okay. And, you know, so he's like, look, I need to knock him out so I can like look and see if it's in his throat or whatever. And he did. And he's like, his epiglottis is like rock solid and it's huge. 
Uh, it's got, you know, polypy stuff on it. He's got mm-hmm. drug cancer. I'm like, oh, that's... So I go and I write the piece. But so what has happened since is the doc gave him prednisone, which is a mm-hmm. steroid. And so mm-hmm. I have a dog on steroids right now. And he is very much a dog on steroid. I mean, he is Hyper. hungry all the time. He's even thirstier than he is hungry. I mean, the, the, you know, like I've gotten to the point where because as soon as he drinks an entire bowl of water, which he would do normally, now it's like he drinks an entire bowl of water, almost like he's got his paws and he's like lifting it up and slurping it out. <laughs> so like I, I put ice cubes in his water to like, and so he doesn't drink all of it. And then not when the ice cubes melt, well, it used to be, he's like, okay, well, I'll wait until the ice cubes melt and then I'll drink the rest. Now he will chase the ice cubes around the pool, licking them because he's so thirsty. He's like, oh, so you need more. Anyway, I'm constantly feeding the dog, giving him water, taking him outside. And he's full of energy. He's back to like when he was a puppy because of the steroids. Right. So as we record this, he's back at the vet for the checkup. Mm. We'll see what happens. I'm sure the news probably won't be great. But at this point, I mean, your dog has throat cancer. What are you going to do? Right. You just enjoy every day. And, you know, like, so there's no bad news that that he's not going to tell me, oh, you got to put the dog down. At some point, I probably will get that. And I'm, I, I mean, I'd say I've made my peace with it, but I haven't. Um, yeah. I'm just kind of ignoring it, yeah. you know, and it's okay. It's easy to do now because the dog is like really doing well. So we'll see, Yeah. Um, you know, but I mean, he's an old dog and he's going to have stuff wrong with him. I mean, you know, and then you just, I think you, that's, it's almost like a trade-off. An old dog knows what he has to do like he knows the things that he can get away with and he knows the things that he can't and that is so special when you have a dog that finally is to the point where like he's part of the family and he's he's an asset and not a liability and it usually (laughs) takes like a while for a dog to get there Mm -hmm. well you know my dog's been that way for a while and so it's just you know it's just it's like I don't want to say it's a special time because that sounds so maudlin and I don't really want to go there. But right. the fact that I have this dog and he's coming to the finish line and he's a champion of a dog, mm. you know, and I, I like all I can do is just appreciate this animal because he's he's a badass. He's terrific. Yeah. And so that's it. And, you know, and uh, after he got diagnosed, I went to I'm at Walmart getting stuff and they had like Valentine's Day stuffed animals. And uh-huh. it was a giant four foot long alligator. And I was like, hmm, I wonder if my dog will chew this to pieces as soon as he gets it, or if he'll actually like ignore it or feel like it. Well, it's the third one. And he carries Gator around all <laughs> over the place. Gator's as big as Bingle is, but he'll like, pick him up by the scruff of his neck and he'll carry him around and bang him against the walls. It's hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. Um, so anyway, we're, I'm, I'm totally in, in, enjoying my dog. Um, you know, knowing that, the, you know, it's not, it's, I mean, it's not the end of, uh, of his life just yet, but, you know, we can probably almost see it from here. So, you know, it's one of those things we're on borrowed time, so we're going to enjoy it. And we are, you so, know, it's, it's, I think for people who are not pet lovers, like it's such, they add so much to your life. Like I think about the, I was anti-cat, but I had never owned cats. And I've always, I always owned dogs and always 
love dogs and I thought, oh, okay, I'm a dog person, but I'm also a cat person as I found out. And we have these two, and I am convinced that the Egyptians worshiped these things because they didn't have TV back then. And they're just the best entertainment. I mean, they're, and they're so human in some of the things that they do. And it's fun to watch them. I, I, I'm sad in a way that what happened through COVID, the people were let their animals go. On the other hand, there's re- it's a really good time to be looking for a nice full-bred um, cat or dog because so many have been kind of given right. up. Right. And so, like, if you're inclined for an animal, now's the time, you know? Look, I mean, if we had some more space around here, I'd definitely go get another dog. Um, yeah. I just, I can't, I can't fit me and two dogs. <laughs> I just can't do it. Um so yeah. you know we'll 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 see what happens at some point I'd, I'd love to bring on a second one um but uh you'll have to graduate to you'll you'll have to as you get older get smaller animals like you know be one of those i don't think i can do that i you like big so? dogs no i've always like, I like big dogs that, like, what are you when i was a kid we've had big dogs and the big dogs are to me the big dogs are just you know they're more laid back so you don't get the yapping yeah I, the little dogs with the yapping, I, I, just, I can't. Uh, I don't know. I had a Shih Tzu. Yeah. I, one of my best dogs is a Shih Tzu. God bless him. His name was Winston. Not too bright. But he was not a yapper at all. And uh-huh. and he traveled everywhere with us. Like, we put him in the car. He was great. He That little dog loved running in the snow. We could go for a couple mile run. He'd run with us. He'd go on the plane with us and be like, we wouldn't have to even sedate him. He would just get on there and be like, what's going on? Um, So like he was a good companion and he wasn't like, he didn't mind getting dirty. Like he wasn't like, I've seen some little dogs who are like, ew, I'm not going to get on the grass or anything. Um, But he wasn't like that at all. So I think there are some that can be good, but yes, I I prefer a big dog too. All of my neighbors who have small dogs have Mm -hmm. yappers. Yeah. Now, um, I think there's a common thread through the humans that probably accounts for the yapping. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, There's, and I'm not going to say any more about that, but it's, (laughs) it is what I mean. The dog is a reflection of its owner. My dogs don't bark. Like they don't bark because I make it very clear that the barking doesn't like that. We're not, we don't like the barking and yeah. Um, you know, by the time they're, you know, here three or four months, what barking there was usually stops. But yeah. what I find is boxers and Bingle's a boxer. His predecessor was a boxer while he was a boxer. Um, they don't, they're not big barkers. They're, they make I don't noise. know. I think it depends. The, well, the, the ones I've had and like friends of mine who are boxers, like they're not big bark. They do make noise. Like yeah. they, they, you know, they, they're they very on everything. And size and snorts and all these other kinds of things that they do. <laughs> they're, they're verbal, but they're not big barkers. Um, yeah. So, you know, which I think is kind of cool. And, you know, when they are barking, it means that there is something going on. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which the yapping, it's, it just, it just happens. And yeah, it's like, okay, it, it has to stop because I'm going to kill you. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. I feel the exact like, same way. I can't abide it. Um, no. That and, a, and, and an animal that is not potty trained. I can't abide that either. What some people I know put up with, I just, those are two things, the barking and the, you know, I, I have personal hygiene. 
and it's like, oh, look, here comes the carpet place with the delivery guys to install the new carpet. And here comes the old carpet and woo, go back inside until this gets hauled away because, wow, maybe you should potty train your dog. Oh, I tried. Anyway, like, yeah, no. Bad owner is what this is. Yeah, bad owner. Yeah, so, okay, so moving along here, uh, you had something else that that you wanted to very much talk about beforehand, and I can't remember what it was because of the aforementioned. Yeah, we, my well, we have, uh, and I'll I'll just read this, but it's like yeah. a Daily Mail piece. Mm. But uh, here we go, because this is big stuff. A final batch of court documents related to pedophile oh, Jeffrey Epstein's associates and salacious allegations against them could be released in the coming weeks, some four years after the disgraced financier's death. A report claims the documents will name at least one public figure and will be made public within the coming months, according to a filing reviewed by the Daily Mail. The records are likely to reveal hundreds of alleged perpetrators and individuals accused of serious wrongdoings, as well as Epstein's victims and employees. See, I never thought we would get to see the list. This says we will get to see the list. So I don't know. I'm suspicious. And the thing is, at this point, the feds could put anyone on this list. Anyone they want to get rid of could be on this list. And how would we know the difference? Um, that's true. I mean, I unless they unless they completely. You remember when they uh, accused Trump's attorney Cohen of being in Paris at a specific date and time? And he's like, was, or, was Prague. it Prague? Yeah, it was Prague. And the guy was like, I wasn't there. And his alibi was like airtight. And it was like, this is not real and true at all. I it mean, it's the only Michael Cohen alibi that was airtight. Exactly. All <laughs> the rest of them. was bullshit, but that one was true. That one was right. <laughs> right. Well, I kind of feel like we might be in a situation like this with this list to, you know, verify all these people. Cause I don't believe anything that's coming out of our own government. So who, who is, gonna release this information that's what i'm curious about well, apparently i mean it's court documents so oh, the court documents themselves um apparently so and and uh, here's my other question if they have like because they have all these diaries and remember the fbi or whatever said they lost them they lost the diaries and they lost the videotapes because epstein had like cases of video oh yeah uh, uh, you no, no, know that's sitting in a vault someplace and that yeah. guy he's got video of mm -hmm. every one of his johns having sex with these underage girls oh yeah and that was the game that was the right. entire game is that he put you on his plane he brought you somewhere whether it was the ranch in new mexico or right. uh little saint james island or even his house in new york that he had mm -hmm. all of it was wired for video and so you would you'd go oh, yeah yeah go do our deal and you would have sex with a 16-year-old. And then he would show you the video and say, okay, in one hand, I have this. In the other hand, I'm going to make you your 8.5% with the spiders that I'm going to put all your money into. And you're going to get a very average return against the stock market. But you get to get on the plane anytime you want. And you get to do that right here that I'm showing you on video. You get to do that anytime you like. And they were like, well, I'm a perv enough to have done it in the first place. So I choose door B. And that's how he had all of his people. 
And it wasn't until Epstein got in trouble that any of these guys really freaked out about it, right? Because, you know, I mean, they were scumbags to begin with. They didn't know who Jeffrey Epstein was, and they couldn't wait to get on that plane. And then he blackmailed them, and they were okay with it because there was, you know, it's like blackmail with a carrot. Um, and, like, that was this guy's scam. The problem was is that the girls ultimately didn't like it. Well, the thing is, so like Bill Gates was on the Epstein plane multiple, a lot, a lot. lot. Mm -hmm. And so my question about all of this is, are we going to have any other prosecutions of these disgusting creeps? Doubt it. Doubt it. Well, here's the thing. If you prosecute any of these people, you're going to have to prosecute Bill Clinton. Right. And they won't prosecute Bill Clinton, you know? Um, I mean, they won't. So, you know, and it's, I think it's going to be really hard and not to mention the fact that if they, Oh, you went to pedophile Island and you did all this and whatever, Mm -hmm. these guys were drinking with each other at the bar before they did like this guy's going to say, Oh yeah, well, let me tell you who else was there. Okay. And it's such a mess that these guys are all, I mean, it's like, you can't, what are you going to do? You're going to prosecute 200 people. I mean, I doubt it. Right. I mean, like, yes. I doubt it. I, they should. Don't right. get me wrong, but I just I doubt that's going to happen. The yeah. one I'm interested in seeing whether or not he gets prosecuted is this guy um, Les Wexner, who was the uh, the guy who owned the Limited and Victoria's oh, Secret yeah. and all these other yeah. ones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because he was like he he was the not like Epstein's number one financial client. Mm-hmm. um and he was like in on all of the stuff like mm-hmm. i think he had a piece of the epstein's plane i want to say and of course you know wexner's deal was like they hired models for the limited and victoria's secret and i'm mm-hmm. like that was like he owned the company so i'm not sure i think i saw this in one of the documentaries that they did about epstein was like they held it out there hey if you want to be a victoria's secret model like this is the quickest way to go because like we recruit from you know this group of people and you don't have to go through all these modeling agencies or whatever um so like i you know i i don't know but the point is is that if anybody's going to get prosecuted from this i would think that wexner would have a problem but that you want to talk about somebody's mobbed up with democrat politicians is less wexner that guy's like he, he and the Clintons are tight, tight, tight. And I want to say he was tight with Obama, too. Yeah. So if he gets prosecuted, then, you know, they're serious. Yeah, I don't I don't think anything's going to come of it. Uh, by the way, do you think that we are with um, the, I'm totally changing directions now. But the reason why it came up was this like powerful people. Then I went to to the Mossad, then I went to what's happening in Ukraine and Russia. This is where how my mind works for you people who are watching. I'm going through this. I happen to be in Florida right now. I've come to the Gulf Coast for years and I'm working from here, but I have a condo right on the beach for the moment. And um, so I'm kind of used to, there's an Air Force base right here in Fort Walton Beach and I'm used to their kind of rhythms. And it's been, I've been here two days, Scott, and the fighter jets are doing things they've never done in all my over 40 years I have been to this area. 
You so, mean they're, like, they're out shooting, not shooting down all the commercial weather balloons that are they're running around in the sky? Well, no, I don't know what they're doing, but like in previous, just so for the listeners here can get an idea, in the past, you would have um the Air Force is always or the yeah, it's the Air Force, it's always patrolling the Gulf, you know, along the shoreline. And so, like in the morning, you would have two fighter jets go by. And and then maybe around noon and then uh, around sunset, it was pretty typical. And <clears throat> you might see some uh, military hel helicopters also, you know, kind of zip by. Well, what I've been seeing this time is completely different. Now, I don't know if they've changed up how they're training pilots or what they're doing, but they I've seen them doing active uh, maneuver drills in the sky looking Practice out here dog fighting and stuff like that practicing dog fighting okay. i've never i've never in the 40 50 years of for probably 40 years i've been coming down here have ever seen it and i was like yesterday i was like holy shit you know here they are uh um practicing dog fighting like right like right outside you know i'm on the 16th floor here and i'm like holy cow and so this is new. This is everything is new. And I was like, um, what is going on? I have it's never not, it's seen not a time of year thing. I mean, are you are you I've there been, at a different time of year than y'all usually are or no? I have been here all times of the year in the past. I've been coming here. I've probably been here. I, you know, I was trying to add up easily 30, 40 times you know, over the years and different times. I've been here at Christmas. I've been here at Thanksgiving. I've been here over the summer. I've been in the fall, spring, winter. And so it's always been different. So I don't know. You're right. That could be a thing, but it just, I mean, you know, it could be, I mean, whatever, some kind of top gun camp thing that, that's being done. It or could be, or, you know, it could be or... that the military is uh, gearing up because it's only a matter of days or weeks before the Russians send 300,000 fresh troops into the Ukraine war. And the fact of the matter is they're going to they're going to get what they came for in Ukraine unless we escalate that war, because we have wasted the whole winter when we should have been at the peace table trying to put this thing to bed. Mm -hmm. Instead, we just kept spending money on the Ukrainians. Um, knowing because I mean, Putin drafted those kids six months ago mm -hmm. and he's been running them through training for six months. Now right. they're ready. Um, and God knows how much Chinese and Iranian military hardware he's bought to put in with those guys, all of which is crap. And our old stuff beats it. We already proved that, but there's 300,000 additional Russian troops going up against what's left of the Ukrainian army. This is going to be a disaster. One of the two, one of two things are going to have to happen. Either those pilots from Fort Walton Beach and a whole bunch of other ones are going to have to go redeploy over to Europe and start, you know, in, imposing air superiority, which means going to war against the Russians, uh, which is not in our national interest. I mean, we're better off the Russians just take Ukraine um, than for us to be in a hot war with Russia right now. Um you know, or, um, you know, the, the, I mean, the Russians are going to are going to take Ukraine and when and when Putin takes it. That's it. Like he's not going to 
once once he's beaten the Ukrainian military, okay, like and they're like it's free fall and those guys are on the run or whatever, he is going to he'll go take Kiev and he'll go take you know mm-hmm. all the way to the border. The mm-hmm. Mold- Moldovan president is now saying that the Russians are staging a coup in Moldova, yeah. which is on the other side of Ukraine from Russia. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, essentially the whole northern and coast, we have troops there, by the way, we have troops there. And the whole northern coast of the Black Sea at that point would be uh, under Russian control. And I think that Putin's, uh, uh, one of his generals was talking about Poland. Now, yeah, Poland well, would be a trickier Poland, business Poland's for them. Poland is part of NATO. Okay, that, Poland that, is part of NATO. It, go, it gets hot when you start talking Poland. Right. Um, you know, I mean, like that, at that point, now we really, and you know, the th- but here's the thing. Now we know we blew up the Nord Stream pipelines. Like we know that we lied right. about it. We did it. I mean, we knew it when it did, happened. Did you think? I mean, for the, for me, like this is the thing that I find so annoying about some of the talking heads and commentators. The it, it was the only logical, the only logical. I mean, Biden was. basically said he was doing it. Not basically, he said he was going to do it. Why would we think anybody else did it when we have these? It's just crazy. It was it was absolutely, you know, and the thing is, is we dragged the Norwegians in this. Yeah. Um, and there is, and I can't, I was trying to remember this earlier and I can't. Uh, there was a show on Netflix. I think, oh, the name of the show is Occupy. Um, and it's a Norwegian show. I don't know if you've been paying attention. The Norwegians make the best movies. I don't, it's like it's, it's I have really not strange. been paying attention. They so. are they they make great stuff. I mean, like mm. their stuff is better than Hollywood. Anyway, and this is from five six years ago. This occupied ship, and it basically the scenario is that Norway elects a um, Green New Deal idiot president. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, like it basically is like we're going to shut down the oil fields off the coast because it's bad for the mm-hmm. environment. And we found a deposit of thorium that we can then use to make really, really like super efficient, basically nuclear fusion energy, which is all crap. But I mean, let's mm-hmm. just like the plot of the show. So like we're going to have the same energy stuff, but it'll all be renewable. You don't need the oil or whatever. Mm-hmm. And like the Europeans are like, uh, we kind of need Norwegian oil. So this right, is right. good. Right. And essentially what happens is, is this guy announces he's doing all this stuff and the Russians immediately invade the country and take over. They're like, mm-hmm. no, 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 no. We're going to take your oil because if you're not using it and somebody else can and like, so that's all the, and like the show is the Russians coming in and taking over Norway. Um, and then, you know, all kinds of things happen and it's, it's, a, it's some of it's stupid, but it's like, it's not a boring plot anyway. Um, but so like the, the Norwegian people have had this on their mind, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the Russians might actually invade us. We've been invaded before, right? right. Like they're mm-hmm. close. They could do it. And yet the Norwegians helped us bomb the Nord Stream pipeline is apparently what Seymour Hirsch had in his, in his report, which like I always thought the Norwegians were as neutral as the day is long. And here they are helping us bomb the North Nord Stream pipeline. I'm going, mm-hmm. 
like did these guys like what is this like life imitates art like what do you guys right. want to get invaded because right. i can tell you joe biden is not going to protect norway if the russians decide to invade um, you don't think so well put it this way how effective would it be then again the russians can't invade ukraine much less norway so maybe it isn't that big um, but I just this all of this stuff should be in the realm of fantasy. It right. shouldn't be something that we're actually talking about. Right. Um, for and there's a whole bunch. This is not just me complaining about Biden. By now, the Europeans should be in the middle of a defense buildup. But they're not. No, there's no evidence of that whatsoever. And this is after you know four years of Trump screaming at them, "Hey, pull your weight in NATO!" Right. Right. Uh, oh, the other thing about Occupied is that the Americans get sick and tired of like trying to get the Europeans to um, pull their weight. And yeah. so they're just like, yeah, we're out like this. Like that, the whole point is the Americans mm -hmm. like we're done. Like, nope out of Europe generally. Yeah, they're just like, no, nah, we don't need this anymore because you guys aren't worth our trouble. Right. So right. like, in other words, the Americans really aren't there to help the Norwegians when the Russians invade. Like yeah. we're just like, yeah, whatever. Um, and so there, there's like an American diplomat, of course. That's the gay character. <laughs> it's, it's the, it's the, the U.S. ambassador in Norway is like the gay guy, right? So of course it is, um, which I think was more of like a shot across our bow, like, oh, by the way, you guys make the woke movies, so you get the gay ambassador. Um, and he's not a good gay ambassador. He ain't Rick Grinnell, put it that way. Yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, but uh, like it amazes me that we're where we are now, we're a year into this war, okay? Mm -hmm. Everybody knows the Russians are coming with another 300,000 troops, right? Right, And like, nobody in NATO has done anything. I mean, right. other than the Germans are now selling tanks, I guess, to the Poles, um, which is really just the Germans- it's Not like, new ones them. though, right? Like it's that, old, isn't it? Like, it's, old. it's old crap. Yeah. But, that, well, but, you know, but you don't, can't turn your nose up at that because old NATO crap beats oh. new Russian stuff. Wow. Like, that's the, what we learned for a year in Ukraine is, like, we threw the, the, the circa 1995 gear at the Ukrainians and they kicked the shit out of the Russians with it. You know, and the Ukrainians are not, I mean, these are not Attila the Hun's descendants, per se. I mean, like, they're, you know, they're, <laughs> there's nothing special about the Ukrainians. Um, it's just that their gear is better because our gear from 30 years ago is better than, you know, current Russian gear. Yeah. Um, I don't think that offsets 300,000 fresh troops. Yeah. Because the Ukrainians don't have it. Like, they don't have it. And I mean... Well, okay, so... So we have... While this is happening, we we have this whole mess in Europe that yep. Germany seems to not care about and seems unconcerned. The rest of Europe has their, you know, they're just whatever. Other than Maybe. Boris Johnson going all over the world trying to drum up support for Ukraine, which you know he is doing for a paycheck. Oh, yeah. Right, right, right. But uh, there is, I mean, like the amount of, and I'm not saying the Europeans ought to be, you know, jingoistic and let's go, let's go have a, a, a you know, a redo of World War One. I'm not saying that. I'm just... I'm amazed that these guys are not like. We well, they're preferring they, some unemployment by drafting people into the army and at least pre presenting a front that kind of cows Putin a little bit. And they none of them have done anything about that. They want Russian gas, though. That's the thing. Well, that's we kind of fixed that, didn't we? 
Well, tried to, but you know, everybody's being. I mean, there are other pipelines, but right. So then, meanwhile, on our own shores, we have the Chinese. I guess we're saying it's the Chinese sending across the. We're not. We were so, saying that over the weekend. We were saying that this was all Chinese stuff, and now we're like, well, and and it's starting to sound like a sheepish admission that what we've been shooting down over the weekend were commercial weather balloons. Seriously? Yeah. Like that was the <laughs> last, that was the last thing that I heard. Um, yeah, but I don't believe, I mean, I don't know about that. Cause I've seen like the regular weather balloons. Have you seen those? First, like the first Chinese one was uh, the first, the first one, the one that made it all the way across the country. That was a Chinese. Right. Number two, three, and four. They're just they're, they're just shooting weather balloons like they're commercial balloons, which I'm assuming are weather balloons. Maybe it's a commercial spy balloon, I guess, or something. Well, uh, we sent two. Was it like over a hundred thousand of those up worldwide get sent up every day? It's it's so weird to me, and they would know that, right? They would know that how they look and everything. Unless unless what this is is you know. Um, it's a it's a wag the dog scenario where it's like, well, go shoot something down so it looks like we're, you know, doing something, doing something. I mean, I, you know, I, I, but balloon number three, yeah. okay, was shot down over Canada right. in consultation with with Fidelito uh, Trudeau in Canada. So I <laughs> guess he's in on the game too. Hey, I'm tough. We, you know, I participated in shooting down a weather balloon over Yukon. I don't know. The the thing is, so like NORAD is tracking all of this stuff. I don't know if, I'm surely the people listening to this podcast understand what NORAD is, that it's a joint operation center. So like when Trudeau it tries to act like the tough guy, NORAD is located in Colorado. There's Canadian officers there. There's American officers there. And they work, it's joint operations. Yeah. Basically protecting the continent. And um, the decisions are made together. But Trudeau acting like he's, you know, cowboy <laughs> making these I, decisions. It's just. It's, it's ludicrous. It's ludicrous. You know, that's not how any, I was, you know, the commercial where it's like, that's not how any of this works. Right. <laughs> you know, I was like thinking when he was saying this, I'm like, that's not how any of this works. Melissa, you need to tell Queen Corrine that because I don't think she knows. And she's basically the one, well, now that mm -hmm. now it's John Kirby who's the one that that's the, the, uh, the official mouthpiece for this, because for mm -hmm. whatever reason, Joe Biden has taken a powder and is no longer around. I don't know if you've noticed that he had one uh, press conference appearance after the State of the Union that went really badly. Mm -hmm. And then Joe Biden has vomited. He is gone. Like Joe, there is no more Joe Biden. He's he is in wherever he is, Rehoboth or somewhere. Um, but Joe Biden is is out of the picture and is no longer in a position to right. tell us what time it is and so they now do we can... that they do that with him though whenever he does something like particularly uh stupid which the state of the union itself was stupid the questions after stupid and then they and his his uh favorables tank 
you know, it's almost like clockwork. They put him away in the basement and then his favorables go back up again, as long as nobody has seen him. Yeah, well, there's that. Plus, he, he had like a day or two after the State of the Union, he had a press avail where he was clearly non compos mentis. <laughs> um, and they just like, okay, that's it. And right. I, you know, like, this is my thing. Um, Because I watched the State of the Union from, uh, like, I watched the C-SPAN feed, like the raw feed. Right, right. That's what I do, too. I didn't watch the Fox News thing or whatever. Yeah, I don't either. When Biden, on that feed, when Biden came in, they Mm -hmm. had the the close shot of him as he's walking in, shaking everybody's hands hands away. And something I noticed with Biden is when he has, like, a primetime speech or something like that, um, Joe Biden's pupils are huge. They fill up his eye and they're jet black, which, as I'm told, is exactly what happens when you're on like amphetamines. Mm-hmm. So they hop him up to do these speeches because otherwise he'd just, you know, um, he'd be Joe he'd Biden. be tired, Jack. <laughs> Sundown Joe. So Sundown Joe, the they is, gotta wake him up. They really tanked him up because he hung around after that speech, which was 73 minutes for 20 minutes, bullshitting with all the Democrat Congress people. Right. And was not incoherent at that point. So he had enough gas in the tank to get out of there after 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. And he has been total other than this one really awful press guy. He's been totally for a whole week has, Mm -hmm. you know, there's no Joe Biden, which tells me they tanked him up but good for the State of the Union. And he's been recovering from that ever since. Okay, that's just a theory of he mine. Could be, but- he could be dead, we wouldn't know. We, the thing is, is that like, I wonder seriously how long they would tell us before, you know? And then we have Kamala. Oh. Woodrow, it'd be like the Woodrow Wilson scenario. They carried that off for like 18 months. He's fine, he's just resting. It's like, he's been resting for a year. <laughs> right. And Edith Wilson ran the country and it was right. like, you know, because the president had stroked out and he was, you know, basically drooling into a bedpan for a year and a half. It was a, right. like, which was no worse than Woodrow Wilson at his best. Right. Kind of. well, uh, less damage was done. Right. At that point. I don't know if you could say the same thing for Biden because he never ran the country to begin with. No, that's it. just it. He could go and would it matter? And the thing is, is Kamala Harris is a placeholder. So you have these two people who are basically just you know, mindless puppets and well, right. And that's the scary thing, right? Because basically at this point, you know, th- this regime is communicating to the public through Queen Kareem and John Kirby, who's like the Baghdad Bob of Washington, DC. Right. I mean, like you talk yeah. about, and I wrote that this this morning. We I mean, th- these two people have absolutely zero credibility with the American people at all. Like none. When they say something, everyone in America is like. I can't trust that, that that's true. Well, Kirby, like, so like, Kareen is stupid and Kirby is a liar. So like, so like Kirby is not stupid. He's just a liar. And, and so like- She's she's incapable of saying anything that's not in that binder they give her. Right, right. Right, other than, you know, oh, I have an announcement to make. It's a huge thing. We just hired Ben LeBolt as the communications director for the White House. And this is a big deal because he's the first openly gay communications director the White House has ever had. And everybody's like, so like 
it's now a big deal. Like every single job in the federal government that a gay guy takes, we have to have a, a, a parade because a gay guy got the job. Like it's over. It's done. We freaking hire gay people, black people, Hispanic right. people, women. Like everybody's qualified by, you know, their identity for a job now. We get it, right? Like how about hiring some people who have some degree of competence? That you know, would be new, wouldn't it? My favorite, my favorite um, gay Biden administration member is Pete Buttigieg. He's just wow. He's so Don't live in Ohio and say that. Yeah, see, see I what mean, that does for you. Well, the thing is, it's like that's just another debacle. I mean, it's been one thing after another for that department. It's a systematic uh, taking apart of the transportation and logistics system in america it yeah. started with the boats uh, you know the, the ships right. uh, waiting at the pier and then it and then it went to the air the airports um and you know then there were the racist highways that we're going to try to racist highway. and now mm -hmm. we got trains derailing two and three a day uh with chemical clouds of of stuff i'd still love to know who made the call hey let's take this vinyl chloride and dump it in a ditch and light that shit on fire and see what happens. And it's like, woof, here's the big black satanic cloud. Right. Right? Like, hmm. And now all the fish are dead and all of the chickens are dead. And it's like, mm -hmm. oh, yeah, don't worry, guys. The air tests out great. And I'm sitting there going, I don't want to hear the EPA tell me one more damn thing. Like, right. go talk some more about the freaking climate when it's like the coldest winter we've had through here in a while. Right. But meanwhile, there's a big black satanic cloud over East Palestine, Ohio. <laughs> all right. That is killing all the, you know, the, the, the water is freaking toxic and the, the chickens are all dying on top of the other chickens that have been dying all over the country and nobody can get eggs. But you guys are like, oh, but it's the climate. And I'm like, none of right. you are serious people. Okay, yeah. none of you are serious. Every one of you sucks at your job and needs to be fired like right now, which is a segue into something that I really want to talk about because I know we're okay. We've got five minutes, make it quick. So, there was a daily caller piece that traded off a Politico piece, uh, from I guess the Politico piece must have been over the weekend. Uh, Vivek Ramaswamy is mm -hmm. thinking about running for president now. I'm not saying he's the guy, okay? But what I am going to say is the, the two books that he's written about woke corporate America and kind of taking back the culture from the woke stuff are brilliant, brilliant, brilliant books. And uh, back in December when Turning Point USA had their annual, uh, I guess America Fest is what they call it, mm -hmm. uh, he gave a speech at this thing that's 25 minutes that is so good um, and it is so much worth watching. And in fact, I think maybe next week's podcast, we should like, Melissa, you should watch it. And then we can talk about it because he lays out a, an agenda of, hey, as conservatives, this is what we need to fight for going forward. Yeah, it's so spot on. And I mean, I'm sitting there going, I need to get this guy a copy of the Revivalist Manifesto. He's probably read it. He's talking about my stuff. Um, but it is, it is, it's so good. It's all about taking back, uh, you know, from, from, uh, from woke tyranny. It's about decentralizing power in our cultural and economic and political institutions. It's about getting rid of the managerial elite 
especially within the government that is just doing everything they can to stop people from being able to live their lives. And it's all for free speech. Okay. Like okay, these so are what's the name of what's this guy's name again? Vivek Ramaswamy. He's the Vivek guy Ramaswamy. who um, strive, I think is the name of his hedge fund that okay. is directly doing battle against BlackRock and state street and Vanguard. Mm. Um, I mean, this guy, I mean, he's a half a, um, I don't know what he is. He's half a half a billionaire at this point. And he's he's a millennial. The guy's in his 30s. Mm, um, and it's, you know, it's the, I mean, his parents were immigrants from India and he mm -hmm. grew up in Ohio. And the guy, I mean, I don't think he's a legit presidential candidate, but I damn sure would love to see him run, say, against Sherrod Brown for the Senate in Ohio next year. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God, he'd be fabulous. This guy is terrific. Mm -hmm. He really is good. And I think we need to pay more attention to him. Okay. Okay. Well, we'll let, let's let me I'm going to watch that and then we can talk That's about it more next time yeah. the the thing I want to conclude with we've got a couple minutes left I want to tell you um all of you people who are watching us here right now if you are finding us on Twitter or through Google or Facebook or whatever it's a miracle because according to the Washington examiner's uh investigative reporting uh we, the American Spectator, is one of the top 10 most uh, infamous. Infamous. I am like struggling. Oh, Wapo, we're infamous. Yeah, we're infamous. As evidently the left thinks we're purveyors of disinformation, which means we're purveyors of truth because they disagree with what we're writing. And so what that has meant is there's a nonprofit in England that the State Department is funding, by the way. And what they do is they make a blacklist, different uh, sites to um, make it so that you can't get advertising, like advertisers, warning advertisers off. So like, I know what our advertising is at the American Spectator. It has dropped precipitously in the last three years in particular. And so this is one of the reasons why we are literally being targeted for um, suppression. So I found out some years ago through Daily Caller Foundation had done a report. We are in the top 10 of a uh, Google executive had created a list of organizations who cannot be on Google News. The American Spectator was one of them. And for whatever reason, and I, you know, Scott, this is something that I just can't quite fathom because our reach, like compared to some of the other uh, journalistic organizations on the right is relatively small compared to, you know, some of our competitors who have far bigger footprints. Look, I, this is how ha this happened. I mean, the, Google killed uh, the Hayride, which is my Louisiana. They killed our AdSense account back in 2011. Yeah, and they've been they've been suppressing us in search and in um you know mm -hmm. in, in in all of these other things. I mean, since 2017, and it's not just Google; it's Facebook, and it's it's a mm -hmm. lot of the right yeah the, uh, the advertising um uh, digital ad networks. I mean, we've been getting slaughtered on this, and it, it's I think it's an independent media problem more than it is an ideological problem because there are people on the left that have this problem too. But it, it, there's no question there's an ideological bias here. Yeah, no, 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 no. It's harder. Yeah, I mean, you're being awfully generous here. I've no, seen... No. Well, what, I, what I'm saying is, is they don't like independent media at all because corporate media and big tech have been in 
cahoots since 2017 at least. But there's the ideological bias makes it much worse. And the other piece to it is, is that the left wing independent media people get grants right. from the Soros people. and all, So they can well, they actually, get it through the government. They get, well, they they get, yeah, through the government, they get government grants. The Society Foundation and all these other people yeah. have grants for media. Right. Whereas on, on the, the conservative right. side, we have we have no platforms uh, for monetization like that. So. No. Like we actually need y'all's support. That's to right. Keep, keep things going. So if you, so the thing is, is that when we're asking you to like or share or subscribe, most of all subscribe so that you can support the readers, the, the writers that we have. It costs money to do all of this. And without you, it doesn't happen. We don't have the resources that the left has and we're actively being suppressed by people with money on the left and the US government. And it sounds it sounds crazy to say, like it just sounds crazy to say, but it's the truth yeah. and um, it, it's not imagined. So like even in our email, for example, example. So if they, if we get put on a blacklist by Google, you don't even see it in your inbox. So I've had readers of the American Spectator saying, Melissa, why did you stop sending me the Dan Flynn's really awesome morning email. I'm like, you're on the list. If you're not receiving it, it's being flagged as spam. You, you know, check your trash, check your um, spam folder. Yeah, we've we've absolutely had that at the Hayride. Yeah. For, for years, we've fought it, particularly with Google and Yahoo uh, yeah. email addresses. Right. So, so this is a real thing. This is this, not just, you know, publishers. This, is not just a, this actually no, happens. This actually happens. And so, like, if you see an advertisement from the American Spectator, say, on like Facebook, you have no idea. For every one that gets accepted, there's probably 10 that we get turned down. The amount of time, energy, and resources that we put toward just getting the message out that the left doesn't have to do because everything gets approved just immediately. So like every step of the way to get you this kind of media, the left is throwing sand in the gears. They are complete totalitarians. So like I was having this conversation with um, an editor of another um, right-leaning organization. And I said, you know, I don't give a crap what the left is doing. I don't want to fund an organization to actively suppress them. You know, but that's not true on the other side. And so you readers and you people who are watching or listening to this as a podcast, you're critical. Without you, we we really cease to exist. It's difficult to find us unless you're actively looking for us. We try to make that better with it, like some of the advertising that we do, but even still we're suppressed. And I was one of the first people to figure out, and I figured this out almost a year ago, that on Twitter, uh, as another example, I was getting more engagement when I made my Twitter profile private. And I have around 50,000 people who follow. And all of a sudden, people who hadn't seen my stuff for months and months and months, who thought I had left Twitter, I had somebody say to me, he goes, well, where have you been? I, did you leave politics? I'm like, I haven't gone anywhere. But if you don't, if you're not seen, if your stuff is being suppressed, you cease to exist in this digital world. 
And yeah. that is what all of these. And so now, you know, Elon in the last week or two is aware of this problem, right? But I just put, I put my account private for months, had increased engagement, put it public again. My engagement has dropped again. And yeah. so it's, this is a constant issue. And this is where the, the readers themselves make a difference. You make a difference. What you do makes a difference. And probably for the American spectator, as much or more than anyone on the right. And for some reason, and, and here's the crazy thing, Scott, the American spectator, in my opinion, we're just this, the same old right-leaning place we've always been. We haven't moved. The culture, though, has moved. And even the culture on the right has moved. We haven't. Like, if you went and, and said, you know, what did Ronald Reagan believe? And you went and, and looked at what we cover at the American Spectator, you wouldn't find, it's just mainline that's thought. There's not a lot of evolution there. Yeah, that's right. No, we, and, yeah. and, and the thing is, it's not radical. This is just what average Americans have always thought, in my opinion. Like, but that's being suppressed. And just what it meant to be an average, happy warrior American is now worthy of suppression in this crazy world that we're in. Yeah. So, so I'm asking if you're watching this and you haven't subscribed. I'm asking if you are watching this and you haven't shared this, the work that we do, or you haven't subscribed to the channel, which costs you nothing, by the way. If you haven't... Right. Um, sharing our content costs you nothing. It helps us. And yep. then actually subscribing at the site. Uh, you can go to spectator.org slash subscribe, or you can give more. Um, you can give on uh, our foundation side and it's a charitable donation. You are making a difference. We this The costs have only increased and... Um, the ways that we have, you know, the maintenance and everything else that we have to do to keep this going, it's not free. So please, you know, if you can help us and know that we're not asking uh, to like make tons of money or whatever. All we're doing is trying to break even and and get a product out for people and, and spread the truth and in a way, things that you won't hear anywhere else. And evidently the left thinks that we are dangerous enough that they feel like on every platform they have to suppress us. I don't get it really because we have erudite, brilliant writers who are intellectual and, and insightful and, and yet somehow our very mainline views that are expressed are controversial and worthy of suppression. So... This is the game and yeah. they're playing it and they're playing it very hard. And if we want to stay in the game, we're going to have to play hard too, um, which that involves you guys. Yeah, so, exactly. you know, smash that like button, subscribe to the, to the YouTube channel and, and rumble Spotify, all these other places. Um, you know, we need your help share this around to your buddies yeah, um, yeah. because, you know, active engagement on your part can defeat a lot of what the left is doing to us. Um, you know, and, and look, it's just a matter of time before uh, they're going to try to step it up and just shut us down altogether. Yeah. And when they do that, 
Okay, that's the end of the America that you know. And I'm not just saying this about the spectator or this podcast or any of that, but when dissenting voices in this country can't be heard because they're suppressed, okay? And like, look, at the Hayride, we have fought this for a decade um, because, I mean, you know, we're like a small independent uh, site. And I mean, they, they have done everything they could to throttle us and put us out of business. Mm -hmm. Uh, So like I've been in this fight for a decade at least Mm -hmm. and the spectators in it has been for a while as well, but now we really know how bad it is. Yeah. This is like, and this is what it is. If you actually want to speak out against these people, if you don't want to be, you know, pet conservative, you know, people like the bulwark or some of these guys that just totally sell out. And if which you are suppressed, by the way, they're not right. suppressed. Like you can they're go look suppressed. at the list. They're not suppressed. Right. And why? You know, conservatives. And, right. and, you know, and, and look, I, I see it in comments and everything else. You guys hate those people. Well, those are the ones that they want to make your voice on right. the Internet and in media or whatever is those guys. Well, we're not that. OK. And so that means we've got targets on our back and we need your we need we need you, you guys to have our back. That's just the way it is. That's the way it's going to work. Well, thank you all for listening. Uh, we I appreciate it. Scott, this has been another headbanger. We'll talk about your Ohio guy next time after we've all watched that video and gotten to know him a little bit more. And, um, you know, thank you for all, all of you for um, showing up and sharing this. And we'll see you next week. Um, we record on Tuesdays. And please keep the comments you know, rolling in. We appreciate it and give us feedback. So thank you all. We'll see you. See you guys next week.